0: Know me, know how I earn a living. This shark will swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than three thousand bucks, chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Oh, sure. We've got a problem on our hands on the 4th of July. Mr. Vaughn. Mr. Vaughan, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the hull of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. what? You're going to need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Welcome back to the Jaws Obsession, where we are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. Thank you for returning for the episode 31. We have a Jaws superfan spotlight number two. We have a lot to celebrate here at the Jaws Obsession because only a few days ago, we crossed the 10,000 download hurdle. After eight months of broadcasting episodes, in the podcasting world, when you listen to the show on whatever platform you're listening on, that show is downloaded to your device, even if it's only in the temporary files. So the podcasting world measures in downloads, whereas in uh, YouTube or social media, they look at clicks or views. To reach 10,000 means that you have decided to invest your time where you have downloaded the show to whatever listening device you are on and you are spending time with us to talk about jaws so it is not a simple click or scan of an article or a view of a 10 second video you've downloaded for minutes at a time i think we are at now we are at now 16 and a half hours of content over 30 episodes and growing so this is episode 31 that's a lot of minutes that you have committed to where you are spending time here in the Jaws Obsession. I am very thankful for that. Look at the exponential growth that we've had over these last eight months. Back at the beginning of March, it was episode 13. We were just crossing 1,000 downloads. And now episode 30, four months later, here we are crossing 10,000 downloads. Now we're in episode 31. So let's go for another 10,000 more. But this was all thanks to the fans of Jaws and you, the listener, who shows up, who shares the Jaws obsession on your social media and spreads the word around. This was all word of mouth, and I'm very thankful this is just what we were looking for because this is the type of broadcasting megaphone that we need in order to accomplish great things in the Jaws universe over at listennotes.com they did an interview with myself and about the jaws obsession they published that interview so i'm going to put a link to that in the description of this broadcast as well as it's going to be over in the notes section over at JawsOB.com. so if you just check out the notes section over there you'll be able to find this interview but in that interview they talk about kind of what the what's going on of the jaws obsession how did how did i get this started how did i get it up and running and some there's some technical talk in there about the equipment Equipment that I'm using, but uh, one of the things that they they did ask about is how do you market your show? And I said that's probably one of the weakest parts of my efforts is the marketing, because there's so much time being absorbed by the writing of the book, the production of the show, and then my career working on power lines that there's never enough time to really shake the social media tree for. More listeners. I have relied on the fans to help me out with that, the Jaws fans, and you all have showed up greatly in that aspect. And this show spreads through social media by word of mouth. There's many Facebook groups and also a, a private Jaws groups of fans that gather together and they pass episodes around. So when you hear an episode you like or you hear a little piece of trivia or something that's fascinating. You have shared it, and then that just spreads. Our second most popular episode of the last month was episode one. So that shows you that there are new listeners every month. There's new listeners coming in and going, whoa that was a great episode maybe they come in for episode 29 to learn about herschel salvatore or jaws easter eggs or they hear about the book of quint but then they start all over right back at the beginning and they start with episode one so this show is still growing and we are having a lot of fun doing that and that's all thanks to you so i kind of try to talk about that in the interview over at ListenNotes.com. if you'd like to read more of that interview you can follow the link down in the description of the show A Book of Quint update, and there's a lot of celebrating going on in the last two days. Uh, We we crossed the 10,000 download hurdle. And then I finished chapter 47, which was closing out part two of the Book of Quint. So to me, that was a big milestone. By completing chapter 47, it wrapped up part two of the book of Quint. And that was, this was the heart of the book. As we know, part one is from 1945 to 1951, but that it's mostly deals with last day in the water of the USS Indianapolis tragedy. But part two takes place from winter of 1951, and goes all the way to early November of 1968. And that deals with Quint's arrival on Amity Island and how he emerges as the greatest shark hunter of all time with part one coming in at 17 chapters i was pleasantly surprised with how part two developed over 30 chapters so we have 30 chapters in there this is definitely the heart of the book this is there's a lot of story here there's a lot of drama going on and there are there are a lot of narratives that intersect in this part two i think that we're giving quint the epic treatment that he deserves i'm anticipating part three to only be about five to seven chapters. Uh, as it takes place over the second week of November of 1968. There's a lot of specific dates that I deal with here in the Book of Quint, and these are not dates that I'm just picking out of a hat. These are actual dates, it's almost like how we constructed a timeline to the official Jaws timeline, where, where there's specific dates that are dropped into the movie, and then you work backwards and forwards from those dates to create that timeline. Well, that's what I've done with the book of Quint and with the backstory to Quint. I've actually used specific dates that we know that the last day in the water for Quint was August 2nd, 1945, right? So then, therefore, I can actually take that and move move the events, and I, now I can actually draw a better picture. But these dates that I'm that I always toss out. Why November 1968? Well, it's very important in November 1968, and that's going to come when you read the Book of Quint. When the book comes out, we'll be able to talk more about that but that there's reasons why these dates are so specific. The original Jaws novel was anywhere from 278 to 309 pages, give or take a few, depending on the format that you had the book. And the Book of Quint right now, we are already over 400 pages, so we have superseded the original Jaws novel. We're heading towards 500. I don't know if we're going to get to 500, but we're going to be around that range. It's not that I'm overwriting or over analyzing the subject i feel that every part of the story is depicted that every part of the story that's depicted in the book of quint is essential and important there are um, there are many events to navigate characters to introduce all in order to give the backstory the depth and weight that we should expect to see in this character. I'm putting a lot of demands on myself to get this right and make sure that Jaws fans around the world will be proud to call this a Jaws prequel. And with what I just finished uh, after chapter chapter 47, after standing back and looking at it, when you stand back and you take a bird's eye view of the, of the entire project, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm very happy with what's produced and I think that you guys are going to be happy as well. So I'm excited. I'm very confident that you won't be disappointed with what is being created here, and uh, I'm definitely excited to share it all with you. The Jaws Obsession is a show to talk about Jaws and the Jaws universe, and this is just going to give us so much more to enjoy into the months into the future. So I'm really happy to update you on this, uh, The Book of Quint. If you haven't already, go to bookofquint.com, jawsob.com, and you can go to the links there, Right in the description, just drop right below where of whatever podcast platform you're listening on. You can follow the links to the Indiegogo page and reserve your copy for the Book of Quint. We're still on schedule. We're still on that Peter Benchley timeline. Remember, 50 years ago, on this day right now, as you are sitting here listening to this show, Peter Benchley was writing the manuscript of Jaws, and he'd have it finished by January of 1973. So we are ahead of the Peter Benchley timeline still. We're working hard to stay ahead of that timeline and to get this story out there. Let's move on to some emails and comments I've received for the show. Uh, You can email in here at the show at jawsob2025 at gmail.com. Always nice to see fans reaching out and getting in touch to talk Jaws. I am available at all times. You can write me here by email you can jump on and comment. We have the show posted over on YouTube. You can comment there, and um, I can we can go back and forth there. You can go to our Telegram channel at Jaws OB over at Telegram. You can find the link for the show notes down into the description of this broadcast, and you can leave comments. We can go back and forth there. I'm always whenever I'm writing, I'm always on Telegram where I'll pull that window up, and it's just sitting there. So if if I'm writing here. And uh, you come on there. We can actually sit there and, you know, talk about Jaws for a little bit. It's always nice to reach uh, to, to get in touch with fans. And one fan recently wrote me, John K. from the United Kingdom, writes in, Hi, Ryan. I'm from England and a big fan of the podcast. And I have ordered my autographed copy, which I can't wait for. I've already read the first chapter online. You've really got me interested in the story of the Indianapolis have you ever seen the documentary on Amazon, which features survivors telling their stories? All the best to you and yours. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to the publication of the book. Signed, John Kay from the UK. Thanks for writing in, John. I have not seen that documentary, uh, the one that's on Amazon. That's the one that's it's called USS Indianapolis, The Legacy. I do have the... That's by Sarah Vladek. I read her book. She co-wrote a book with Lynn Vincent, which is called... Indianapolis. And it is a massive book. We're talking 500, and I got it right here in front of me, 552 pages, full index, sources. I have yellow sticky notes through this whole book uh, folded down. I've, I've earmarked chapters and pages where I used uh, many of the details to get through that first part of the Book of Quint. Miss Vladek, so she directed the USS Indianapolis, The Legacy, which is a, um, from what I understand, it's a documentary version of this book. And um, I would like to eventually get around to that, but I did obtain the DVD to the USS Indianapolis, The Final Chapter. Watch how they discovered the wreck of the Indianapolis when they actually found the actual wreck underwater and they were able to get to the exact location. How they found it was fascinating. And then what was also fascinating is that it's in such deep water that it is such, it the, the water is so deep down there and it is so preserved that the USS Indianapolis looks like it's locked in time. It's never been touched. Whereas we've all seen the documentaries of the Titanic and the Titanic is being broken down. It's it's a pretty much a a, a a almost a pile of rusted metal because of all the sea life that has um, that has lived on the hull of the ship. But the USS Indianapolis is a way different story. There's still labels on uh, carts and crates. There's many many things that are still looks like they just like it just went down yesterday. Fascinating DVD, fascinating documentary. It's called the USS Indianapolis: The Final Chapter. But I do want to see that USS Indianapolis: The Legacy. Uh, they interview a lot of the survivors for both of those documentaries. I'm glad John writes that in. That that I've really got him interested in the story of the Indianapolis because we've done, we've done uh, the our episode 23. We had the Memorial Day special for the USS Indianapolis, and then of course Robert Shaw's speech uh, on board the Orca. That's all about keeping this memory of what happened alive and going on into the future because the more we talk about it the probability of it being forgotten decreases and that's what we're all and that that's a really important aspect without dedicated fans like John over in England uh, we couldn't have gotten this far And, and remember what this is is we're trying to make as much noise over here as possible as Jaws fans for the Jaws universe to get Universal and to light a fire under their chair and get them moving on a proper prequel because the 50th anniversary is coming up and that's pretty much what this all boils down to. That's an uphill battle. That's a big-time uphill battle. And if we could do that, and if interest in the Indianapolis, there won't be a prequel to Jaws without mentioning the Indianapolis, so... All of this works together. All of this is symbiotic. It's all moving along at the same time. Thanks, John. Thanks for writing in. And I look forward to hearing from you again. I know you will not be disappointed with the Book of Quint. So you can also leave comments over on our YouTube channel. If you go to uh, youtube.com, you just search The Jaws Obsession, you'll see our channel come up. YouTube is valuable in that I can actually make a video presentation of what I'm referencing here. But for the most part, it's just the audio. What's also nice is that each episode has a comment section where you can jump on and you can talk about the episode, which is kind of neat. So over on episode 24, which was How Old Is Quint? Episode 24, we had user Jay Rossi. Wrote in and he said, ironic in a way that Robert Shaw was born in 1927, the same year Quint would be a boy looking up to the local harpooners and sword fishermen. That episode was really interesting in that I was trying to show my process of finding the age for Quint. When was he born? And most likely using clues and jaws. Remember, we have to use clues and jaws. Those will lead you to the answer. So in episode 24, the the last whaling ship left New Bedford in 1927. So to be a boy, wanting to be a harpoon or a sword fisherman, he would have to have been born on 1917 or earlier. So from 1917 to 1927. And it just so happens that that year, 1927, as Jay Rossi brings up, was the year that Robert Shaw was born. So it's those neat little connections that that come to play there. And one other one other connection I just wanted to point out is that in the Book of Quint, I made a change. Since that episode, I made a change. He's going to be born in 1916. And why? Because that puts him at year, at age 58 when he dies in Jaws. And it's, that matches up with, in Moby Dick, Captain Ahab is 58 years old when he is killed by the white whale. Both of these characters will be 58 years old. I like that. I like there's when there's little connections. I looked for it. Believe me, I looked for it. I can't find the exact part In Moby Dick, it's there when they say that Captain Ahab is 58 years old. But uh, if Quint was born in 1916, how I predicted in episode 24, that Quint was born in 1917 or earlier. So if he's born in 1916, that makes him the same age as Captain Ahab when he dies as well, 58 years old. And Robert Shaw was 47 when he performed the role of Quint in Jaws. He was age 47, and they made him look about 10 years older. So that's why it seems feasible that Quint is 58, he's around 58 years old when he gets taken by the shark in Jaws. So everything's kind of matching up. They made Robert Shaw look a little older with the gray hair and the gray in, the, in his sideburns. So that's why that number 58 really stands out. And if Quint is going to be 58 years old, that means he has to be born in 1916, because in 1974 is when he passes away. And that would make him 58 years old or close to it. Very interesting stuff. Thank you for the comment, Jay Rossi, over on YouTube for episode 24. Another comment we had, which was a popular episode, was episode 29, Who is Herschel Salvatore? One of the comments was from user Thicker Constrictor. Their comment was, damn, he made it to his 90s. Talking about Herschel West. Herschel West was the fisherman who played Herschel Salvatore in the movie Jaws. He made it to his 90s. Crazy. Sadly, his line delivery wasn't the best. I would have enjoyed seeing the deleted scene with him in there in the movie to explain a little more. But cool to learn about him. I responded back to this comment. I said, one of my favorite aspects in writing the book of Quint is creating an entire background to Herschel. Knowing and experiencing how much of a role he plays in Quint's life on Amity makes up for our missing that deleted scene in the final cut of Jaws. Herschel fans will not be disappointed. And I'm that's and I'm I'm serious about that. that... Um, what Herschel represents, and you have to realize the little guy next to Quint in Jaws, that's Herschel Salvatore. What he represents, he represents all of us. Okay. All of us who are not fishermen, who are not living on amity. We identify the most with Herschel Salvatore. He is just an he's just a bystander to this whole story. And when we see Quint through his eyes, when we see Quint arrived to the island, and then he becomes Quint's first mate. Questions are asked, information is passed. That's all us. We are experiencing Quint for the first time, just like Herschel is. And that's what's exciting about this, is that character offered me the opportunity to bring all of us into the story of Quint. Not only does Herschel Salvatore become a major player in the Jaws universe, so we get to see more of him, we get to learn more of him, but in doing that we learn more of Quint at the same time. Very exciting, I love how when narratives cross paths like that. Happy to see that comment, happy to see the fans of Jaws enjoying episode 29. Thank you Thicker Constrictor for the comment. Keep them coming, and I'm going to try to respond to as many as possible when they pop up. So onward with our super fan spotlight. This is our second super fan spotlight. If you remember way back when episode 11, super fan Chris Klaus and the Jaws van, we highlighted that. If uh, if anyone missed that episode, go give that a re listen. That was the first super fan spotlight, and now we have uh, our second one uh, right over in England. Is Mark Fitzgibbons? Mark Fitzgibbons. He has one of the most extensive Jaws memorabilia collections that I have ever seen. He has taken great effort and it was very meticulous in cataloging his entire collection on his Facebook page and an Instagram page dedicated to it. It's three yellow barrels. So it's Facebook at three yellow barrels, or you can go to his Instagram, three yellow barrels at Instagram.com. If you go down into the description of this broadcast, you'll see the links. I'm going to put the links right in there for Mr. Fitzgibbon's Uh, to his Instagram page and his Facebook page that documents his entire collection of Jaws memorabilia that's well over a 1,000 different items. Very impressive. I mean, we're talking there's Jaws wallpaper. Has anyone ever found Jaws wallpaper? That's unbelievable. Autographs, movie posters, magazines from around the world that highlight Jaws. The collection goes on and on. You could, you just could get lost in that rabbit hole forever. You could just, you could just, you could peruse through his collection forever. It's just fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. He could not call in. So what we did was we did a, an email interview. Mark wrote in he said, I love your work on the Jaws obsession. I'm a big fan myself. I saw the film on opening day in the United Kingdom on the 27th of December, 1975. And it changed my life forever. I love collecting all things Jaws 1975. And then he sent me a link to his collection. I said, we got we to get you on the show, man. We got to get you on the show. and We got to see what dive into this because I'm fascinated in not just the passion behind the Jaws fans. I'm always fascinated by super fans because I consider myself somewhat a super fan, even though I don't have nearly as much memorabilia as Mark here. We all have the same passion for this movie and everybody has... The same passion, but the movie speaks to us all in our own way. And that's what's so cool about this is that 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 it kind of binds us all together. So it's the greatest movie of all time. Why shouldn't it, right? So I thought it was fascinating that what he said was that he had to wait a whole five months. So they heard over in England, they heard about this Jaws mania from the summer of 1975. Yeah, they had to wait a whole five months later. And it came out in England in December of 1975. And that's where Mark saw it. So in, in Mark's memories, it's a summer movie, but he saw it in the middle of winter right after Christmas. So he said, because Jaws didn't reach UK cinemas until six months later, we had a lot of time to get hyped over the movie. We already had magazines, toys, music, even before we even saw the film. A lot of merchandise was made by Coffer Sports in the United Kingdom, which was fun. Uh, We are very proud of Robert Shaw. We make pilgrimages to his house that he lived in. There's a pub in his name, etc. I was lucky to meet Ian Shaw last year during The Shark is Broken, a lovely man and such a great source of stories about his legendary father. I love the idea about a Jaws universe, not just the thought of the Book of Quint, but the backstory of the many characters, many Jaws characters. Keep doing what you're doing. And that prompted me to say, hey, let's, uh, I, I sent him a few more questions and we had we had a little back and forth. What was really interesting is, is that the second biggest country other than the United States for the downloads of the Jaws Obsession is the UK. There's so many Jaws fans over there. And it wasn't, and I did not have any idea about this until over two years ago when I made the two trips to Martha's Vineyard and I met Mike Currid for the, um, Eggartown Tour Company did the Jaws tour, all of that research leading up to the Book of Quint, and when he told me that many of his customers on that Jaws tour are European, and there's a lot from England and Great Britain. So I find that fascinating. And Mark kind of hit that down. He he kind of nailed that down right here is that they already had magazine toys and music before they even saw the film. So they had all this hype. So it was just drummed right up in there. And that's where they had all this hype before the film was even released. It it ingrained just as much into their culture as it did ours. So Mark kind of highlighted that, which I found fascinating. So while I had a super fan, and if you go over his collection, you can see this is 47 years of collecting memorabilia. There's a lot of merchandise to Jaws. And he's very serious super fan. So that's why I wanted to fire some questions back. So I asked him, do you think that with the 50th anniversary coming up, th- that the Jaws merchandise offerings have plateaued? I see your collection is full of all different variant DVDs, albums, T-shirts, and novelties. As a super collector and one who has an almost 50-year passion for the movie, in your opinion, would a prequel by Universal lead to a whole new world of merchandise possibilities and enhance your experience as a collector. Mark wrote back, and he said, As the 50th anniversary approaches, I see the merchandise going from strength to strength. You only have to look at the speed in which some of the pieces sell out to see how popular they are. Poster art seems to be a big one at the moment, with some limited runs selling out in minutes. I, for one, would be very excited at an opportunity to build my collections. Fans often speculate about backstories of characters and why they act the way they do in the movie. Jaws fans are some of the most passionate and fanatic around, in my opinion, and they would relish a prequel. And I agree. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a latent energy. There's a hidden passion here that has yet to be uh, tapped into and um, explored. Uh, My next question to Mark, this leads to my fascination with the British connection to Jaws. I said, you detailed the British connection to Jaws with the legendary Robert Shaw's performance and now his son, Ian Shaw, at the right age to portray his father on stage. How do you, as a Jaws mega fan, think the impact of Ian Shaw portraying a younger version of his father's role would impact the U.K.? Would there be a sense of British pride in experiencing a celebration of the Shaw family and the generational torch passing if such a possibility of a Jaws prequel were to happen? And Mark Fitzgibbons answered that question. He, he, and he came back with, besides some of the issues that Robert Shaw had in his life, you can't take away the fact that he was probably one of our finest actors. Who knows what greater heights he would have reached if, he wasn't, if it wasn't for his premature and untimely death. They say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and Ian Shaw is a shining example of someone who has the genes in their blood. Witnessing Ian's portrayal of his father in The Shark is Broken was one of the highlights of the last few years. The attention to detail was mind-blowing, and I'm so happy with that it now looks like other countries are going to experience it. I totally agree. I believe that with Ian Shaw's portrayal, that this all this is, is not happening by chance. There are no coincidences. This is all happening on purpose, because it is the right time that the universe is coming together to say, this needs to happen, this project needs to happen, that Ian Shaw is destined, he is at the right age to play his father, a younger version of his father, on screen in a Jaws prequel. And uh, he talks about The Shark is Broken, which was Ian Shaw's play where he plays his father on on the on the and during the making of Jaws. And that play now looks like to be coming to Canada, so more of the North American audiences will be able to enjoy it. I hope to get up there and enjoy it as well. What I asked people back in Episode 20 was, when you read the first chapter to the Book of Quint, or and, or and going forward is to look at the pictures of Ian Shaw and imagine him in that role. The connection to the movie is there. This is the right time for it. And Mark agrees that this is going to have a big impact in British culture and British cinema to see this happen. But remember, I remember watching an interview with Ian Shaw. The story has to be right. There has to be a right story. It can't be something that's shallow. It can't be cartoonish. It can't be jaws 5. There has to be a connection. And that's what I've worked so hard for the last 2 years is to find that to to crack that equation, to break that formula And use it, and and put it, and get it into a book format because it all starts with a book, just like Jaws. It all starts with a book. I'm glad to see that uh, Mr. Fitzgibbons is seeing that as well. Way over on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean from where I am. So my third question to Mark was, you stated that you felt there has been a resurgence of Jaws excitement over the last five years in the UK. Do you think the UK and even the world is primed for an expanded Jaws universe at this time? And there would be an excitement and interest by all generations in learning more about the characters of Jaws. Mr. Fitzgibbons responded and he said, for me, an expanded Jaws universe is a no brainer. Look at some of the other franchises out there that have reignited the fire into classic films, some with little substance to start. Jaws stands head and shoulders above a lot of those. There are many fabulous characters in Jaws, some even on screen for a minute or two, but we love them all. Jaws has proved that it's not only loved by people of a certain age, but the generations that came after. I absolutely agree. That's a great answer by Mark Fitzgibbon's super fan, Jaws super fan of... Three Yellow Barrels, Instagram.com slash Three Yellow Barrels, Facebook.com slash Three Yellow Barrels. That's T-H-R-E-E, Yellow Barrels. He touched on it right there, is that Jaws is a multi-generational movie. It's not just something from 1970s and those people that are just trying to rekindle times when they saw it in the 1970s. It's a multi-generational movie that spans into younger and younger generations. This movie will be watched forever. So he left me with the comment of, uh, keep up the good work, keep doing what you're doing. I lock up if I think about it too hard. There's a big responsibility here in what we are trying to do. Jaws means a lot to uh, millions of people around the world. I do not take this lightly, and when... A super fan like Mark Fitzgibbons writes into the show and enjoys what's going on here at the Jaws Obsession. He enjoys hearing about the Book of Quint. That inspires me to even work harder because it lets me know that the instincts are right. That we're kind of onto something special here. Something good is coming out of this. I I can promise you with what I'm seeing, with what I'm reading on the page. There is a story here, and and like Hooper says in the trailer, he says it will hit you right between the eyes, and it does. It sits with you. And I'm glad that uh, the, the passion is being able to be felt all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to Mr. Fitzgibbons of Three Yellow Barrels, his Jaws super fan collection, Three Yellow Barrels at Instagram and Facebook. Without the Jaws fans, the story cannot move forward. And we have seen in many instances in the recent past, studios have ignored their fan base for whatever franchise or movies they are trying to create for. It would be wise for Universal to listen to their fan base here. Mr. Fitzgibbons is just one of millions of voices out there, passionate fans, ready for an expanded Jaws universe, and that time is finally here. Show me the way to go Thanks to Mark Fitzgibbon's Superfan spotlight number two. Mark, thanks for sending links to your collection. What a lot of work, thousand plus items of Jaws memorabilia. Everybody follow the link in the description of this broadcast to go over and enjoy that collection. I promise you, you'll get lost for an hour just looking at everything. The movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the fair use guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act, all rights reserved to the copyright owners. Okay, go to jawsob.com, bookofquint.com for the latest and greatest um, in what we're trying to do. We're still taking backers over at indiegogo.com. You can follow the links in the description below on this show. Thanks a lot for making this a 10,000 download-plus broadcast without fans and everybody coming back, lending their time. It's very special. Thanks for listening. Until next week, farewell and adieu. Show me the way to go home.